Welcome back everybody to the reading of Supernatural Academy by Maria Grant. This is a podcast series dedicated to reading um, young adult novel books of all genres. Um, So again, the first book I am reading is Supernatural Academy by Maria Grant. Um, That's the author. And I am going to be starting on chapter 13 today. There are 26 chapters in all, so we are halfway there. I'm starting on chapter 14, I'm sorry. So I'm starting on chapter 14. If you have not caught chapters 1 through 13, you're going to be so confused. Um, So please go back and view the other chapters if you're interested. And again, I am going to be, for those of you who have listened to the previous podcast, um, I am going to be reading different books. Um... After I finish one, I'll pick up another and another. So if you have any suggestions, just let me know as well. So, again, I'm going to be starting in Chapter 14, Broken Promises. Chase is at the table with his leg jumping up and down rapidly. He thumbs a beat on the table with his right hand as he nervously bites on his fingernails on his left hand. Zaire flings himself into Chase's house and whirls through to the kitchen. The man walks so fast Chase can feel the cool breeze on his face. Zaire finally stops walking and takes a seat directly in front of Chase, who can feel his heart hammering in his chest. Zaire shakes his head in disapproval, loose strands of red hair flying everywhere. Zaire is the type of person to hold a grudge. This is the same man who was forced to help out a kitsuning clan because the Alpha could no longer control his son's aggression. Chase used to look up to Zaire. He would follow the elder around like a shadow. Now, Chase sits as he waits for the raft to be unleashed. I'm not mad at you, Zaire begins to say. Already Chase is thrown for a loop. He was expecting hitting, yelling, and lots of disappointment, but not this. Zaire seems a bit understanding, even though the wafting outrage is wavering off of him. I just don't get it. Kaya is going to die, Chase blurts out. He doesn't see a hint. Of an expression changing Zaire's face, but that's okay. Anders had a vision about it, and she's part of a list of people who are descended from the Khan Coven. The same coven who has descendants being murdered all across the globe. She's known about this lifestyle for like four months. It's hardly fair for her to die like this. Zaire hums as he tilts his head in a calculating way. Chase hates when the elder does this because the expression is always so cold and void of emotion like an empty shell there are two sides to Zaire the playful side which makes everyone love him and the cold side that allows him to kill without mercy Chase has seen both sides Zaire was always like this ever since he was born with the red hair, colored blood, and born on a blue moon, blood moon. It said that Zaire was cursed 
with a blood-stained heart from the moment he came out this world 27 years ago. You know I've seen druids kill my mother, Zaire starts. This is something Chase knows. Zaire's mother was out hunting 15 years ago when a group of druids killed her in the hunting pack she was with. They said it was because she encroached on their land and they felt threatened. Druids may be radical magicals, but they are magicals all the same. I don't trust any of them. They kill without reason, Zaire continues. I know you don't, Chase speaks up. Trust them, that is. Magicals are known to turn against their own kind, and they work with hunters. Zaire continues, this too Chase knows. Many of the large hunting groups have some type of magical working with them, helping kill other supernatural creatures. So why help this girl? Who cares if someone's out to kill her? It's important to my grandfather. Chase responds. Zaire looks to the ground with a scowl on his face. Chase's grandfather was kicked out of the pack about 13 years ago when the elder refused a command given by the Alpha. Mr. and Mrs. Jacobson didn't stand by the man and instead packed his bags and escorted him off the land themselves. Chase was only five at the time when his parents did this. Was the only one to continue to support and visit the elder. So Zaire understands that anything important to that old fool is going to be important to Chase. <laughs> Zaire scoffs. You were always a follower. Zaire seems disappointed again. And Chase can't even find it in himself to defend the accusation. Somehow, Chase turns into a child when he's around Zaire. He means a lot to me. Chase responds to the defiance in his tone. Zaire raises a questioning brow. Since this is important to him, it's important to me. If the Druids are back, then this is going to be personal for me. Zaire warns, grandfather or not, you have to choose a side. There are things you don't know, pup. Things that will definitely get you killed if you choose the wrong side. I've learned a lot while I was gone for four years. Then tell me what's going on. Chase leans forward to plead. Why are you really back? What do you know? I know enough to know that you need to leave this alone. Zaire warns. It's always a warning with this guy. Look. Chase starts. If you want me to follow you so blindly, then give me something here, Zaire. Something to cling to other than your command. My command used to be enough for you. Zaire glares in a calculating way. Chase doesn't even have an iota of an idea as to when this has changed himself. What Zaire says is true. He used to cling to Zaire like a lost pup. However, the idea of going along with the flow doesn't settle well with Chase anymore. The other day, I was reading a story about a frog and a toad. Chase tells Zaire. A frog spent his entire life being a frog because that was all he knew. A toad, never seeing his reflection, was raised by said frog and spent his entire life thinking he was a frog because 
That is all he knew. Neither is right nor wrong. Zaire pretends to yawn. Deep. Zaire replies in mock amusement. Why is this relevant to me? Kaya spent her entire life thinking she was a normal human. When in reality, there's this whole world she's a part of, Chase continues. It's not her fault for not knowing she's a toad. I'm not going to hold that she's the magical responsible against her. Neither should you. So that's why I can't just drop it, alright? Since you want to get all philosophical, I have a response for you. Zaire points to Chase. A child of a murderer will always be the child of a murderer. Whether they know who their parent is or not. Zaire replies, her blood is tainted and she tried to kill me already. Your mind seems to be made up about this already, Chase responds. She didn't try to kill you. She was scared and worried about her friend Declan and her powers went haywire. Besides, aren't your hands already stained in blood? Zaire smirks but the smile doesn't reach his eyes. It looks sinister. I came over as a warning. Zaire states firmly as he starts to walk out the door. I'm back in town for good, so it will be wise to fall in line, pup. You know what will happen if you don't. Chase watches the man leave and bangs his hand on the table. He wants to do as his grandfather has asked, but to find Zaire? That's something he's never had the courage to muster up before. While Chase sits at home and worries about what Zaire might do, Kaya lays on the bed giggling as she stares up at her bedroom ceiling. Right now, Mrs. Guard is downstairs talking with the others about the update on Max's murder. Kaya is what you would call high, and she honestly loves this feeling. It's freeing in a way. Her mind is fuzzy yet clear all at the same time. Body feeling like she's floating. A thousand thoughts swirl around Kaya's head as she hears a knock on the door and Declan comes barging in. Sophie's on the way up here. Declan says frantically, try not to look so high or she'll kill me. <laughs> I can't stop laughing though. Kaya responds in a giggle. Besides, <laughs> Yates gave me the drugs. Here, look. She grabs the bong from under her pillow and places it in Declan's hands. Jesus, what was Yates thinking? Declan wipes his hand down his face. He grabs the evidence and stashes it in the bottom drawer before going back to the bed where Kaya is. I'm coming in. It doesn't matter who gave you the drugs. I'll get playing. Kaya tilts her head in confusion until she feels a heavy body jump over her small frame. She laughs harder. It's this moment that Sophie decides to burst in the room as if she were the police trying to catch the suspect committing a crime. I was worried about you, Sophie states as she completely ignores the mood in the room. With that stupid wolf and poor Max and everything going on, Sophie stops talking, glares at Declan as if he shouldn't be in the room. Don't give me that mom look, Declan protests. Kai and I really bonded today. Sure, Sophie replies in the tone that states she doesn't believe the word he's saying. We did bond. Kaya repeats what Declan stated after he elbows her in the side. Kaya giggles some more, so Declan takes the back of her head and leans her in for a kiss. 
Kaya's shock will respond in Kaya, pressing her lips harder against Declan's own. She likes this. The thing is, Kaya has never been kissed before, so this is her first kiss and she's high for the first time and probably sometime soon she will meet her untimely death via an unknown murderer. There's so much going on she really can't handle, but this kissing thing is something she can get behind. She's really getting into it. Kaya goes with the flow for the first time in her life and she presses hard against Declan's lips. Declan hums his approval and shifts her so she is sat on his lap as his back is flat on the bed. Kaya opens her mouth and allows Declan's tongue to slip in. Letting out a soft sigh, Declan's cool hand slip under her shirt. What the ever-loving funk? One thing Declan has learned is that Sophie stops cussing when she gets seriously upset. It's completely weird, but it's Sophie. Right now, she's a scale 100 out of 10. You two ships decided to do the deed? Sophie storms closer to them, and Declan hugs Kaya to his chest now, so he has stopped kissing her. She's a really good kisser. He is distracted for a brief moment. Kaya is trying her hardest to focus on Sophie being upset. Her, however, Declan's hands are still on her. Her body is tingling from hormones and drugs. She wants to kiss some more. She leans in for another kiss when she catches Sophie glaring at her harder than previously before, if that's even possible. I'm high! Kaya blurts out for no reason whatsoever. If she can't kiss Declan anymore, then she should at least tell the truth. Declan throws his hands in the air in dire frustration, and Sophie's two eyebrows join together to make one. It wasn't me! Declan has a natural desire to live and not die via an angry Sophie. He gently places Kaya off his lap and sits up. Like, I believe that? Sophie snorts. Declan pouts. Don't be mad at him. Kaya pouts as she sits up. I needed to get out of my head, and Yates said it would help. Sophie looks ready for a fight, but she seems to delay slightly. Her shoulders slump a bit. Fine. She digresses. You should definitely stay up here until my mom leaves, though, or else she'll call Declan's parents because there's no way my mom will believe Yates did this and not Declan. Sophie leaves with the closing of the door, and Declan is mildly shocked. They got off the hook so easily. Whew. Declan falls back on the bed. I thought we were goners, he admits. Kaya has sobered up some and feels the thoughts rushing back to her head. Empty. That's what she wants to feel. She's a teenager. Her biggest worries should be trying to fit in boys and getting pimples, not worrying about death. I want to get high again, Kofi turns to say. Declan raises a brow and gives her an inquisitive look. Maybe later on, yeah. He says cautiously. You get pretty frisky when you're under influence and I'm weak to temptation. So that might not be a good idea with us alone. Besides, don't want you spiraling. I knew a guy who wanted to feel numb so bad. He went to the vamps to get high and ended up having his blood drain. Can you believe that? Kaya's brows raise in surprise. Why would anyone want fangs in their skin? She ponders in horror. She hates needles. She can't even begin to imagine what vampire fangs feel like. Hmm. You probably don't know about vampires, huh? Definitely scratches at his chin. They mimic how mosquitoes suck their blood. 
Once their things pierce the skin, they inject the area with a sort of numbing venom so you don't feel the bite. With the loss of blood, you get lightheaded. Some people even go to an aphrodisiac state. Kaya hums as she absorbs this new information. Maybe she can forget about her problems in a different way. While Kaya is left alone to think about her problems, it's night time now, and Alvaro is skipping class again. It's been the fifth time he skipped since the incident in the woods. He's terrified of walking to class alone, so if he can't go with someone, then he skips. Sonic was going to walk with him, but the other vampire got held up by Yarla. It was a succubus. The thing is, other than having a sensation of nervousness about being alone in the woods, Alvaro's body has been feeling weird. His thirst is bordering on uncontrollable, and his fangs don't seem to want to remain in his mouth. It feels as if he's been reduced to a newborn vampire all over again, hungry, scared, and thirsty. Just the other night, Alvaro walked by some sirens and felt the need to bite all of them. The thought frightens him, but telling Sonic scares him more. If Sonic thinks the druids did something to him, changed him somehow, He'll contact Headmistress Guard. Arara has spent enough time under careful watching Kosh's eyes. He doesn't want to revert back to being a monitor like some freshly discovered creature in a science lab. He's hoping he can have Hendrix analyze him. Hendrix is a fellow vampire, very old in age. He was turned when he was 27 and that was 90 years ago. Now he acts as an advisor to Headmistress Guard. There's a knock on the door. Coming in. Hendrick's voice echoes in the empty door room. He walks over to Alvaro and immediately opens Alvaro's mouth. The poor teen doesn't even have time to protest. Things drop down on their own. Hmm. Hendrix sounds out loud. I don't like the sound of that. Alvaro says with a muffled voice due to this strange hand fondling his mouth. Hendricks releases Alvaro's mouth and goes to pinch his nipple. Alvaro grabs his chest and glares as his fangs release again. Hendricks chuckles as he shakes his head. <laughs> You're just horny, kid. Hendricks lets his humor be heard in his words. Alvaro knows he can't blush anymore, but he feels hot from head to toe. They probably blasted you with a sensation spell or something. Makes vampires do it like crazy. I advise to go to Fantasy Island Nightclub on Thursdays. Most of the people in the private section are looking for vamps to drink from. The sensation continues after a week. Let me know because then it might be something more troublesome. Kenneth doesn't say anything more. Merely walks back, right back out the door that he just came through. Arrow has never been more embarrassed in his entire life. He's rather hide under his covers until his urges go away, but he knows it's not a viable option. So he guesses he'll go to this club. He hopes the urges go away after a week because he's scared to think about what something more troublesome could even mean. He turns over in his bed and sighs. He'll ask Sonics to go with him tomorrow. But for tonight, he'll stay in just one more time.